But regardless, we're going to try to meet as a congregation next Sunday. Out there, pray for good weather once again. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. And when you think of these, these verses, I want you to think of urgency. Because the Apostle Paul seems to be very urgent here. As we look at the map, we see that uh, Colossia is southeast of Ephesus, and it's also southwest of Galatia, and it's part of the Asia Minor uh, group of churches. Paul wrote to the church there, and there were a lot of issues in the church, and the occasion for his writing was that Epaphras reported to the Apostle Paul that a serious heresy was disturbing the church at Colossia. Now, scholars had debated what the heresy was, but I can certainly tell you with this, there were numerous things attached to the heresy. There was a philosophical element, there was a Gnostic element, Gnostic referring to knowledge, where you have a, a superior knowledge, a Jewish element, and also a pagan element. So the Apostle Paul, when he received word that the church was in trouble, he immediately wrote a letter to them and was sent to the church. And that's where we find our, our text here this morning. So in Colossians 4.2, we learn that we're to petition God constantly. Petition God constantly. And the Apostle Paul writes this, Continue steadfastly in prayer. Proskartero is the two words for continue steadfastly. It means persistence, fervor, ongoing. The word originally referred to a boat that was ready to be boarded and moved out into the sea immediately. There was a, a, a sense of readiness, but also a sense that you would do this uh, quickly and that it would be ongoing, it would be ready, and it, you would do it immediately. But later, the word came to refer to general activity. My family never looked like this at breakfast kids smiling, wife smiling, usually it's, oh, give me my cereal. But this, for this word, continue steadfastly, is something that is done on a daily basis. It is a daily activity. So when we talk about prayer, we are talking about something that is not hit and miss. We are talking about something that is part of our daily activity, something that is ongoing, something that we never uh, tire of. It's just something that we continue to do in our lives. Now, prosuke, prosuke is the word for prayer, and it simply means to talk to God. But in this context, and because of what follows, it also pertains to the idea of petitioning. So here you have, on a daily basis, we are to be petitioning God. We'll, we'll expose exactly what the, what the petition refers to. But the fact is the Apostle Paul wants us to continue daily in our prayer life asking God for things. 
Now, it doesn't mean asking God for, um, well, you can ask God any, anything, but uh, to take the petition seriously. And the Apostle Paul here is asking people to pray continually to God. That means really anywhere. It could be on a break at work, but that we're to pray continually, just even if it means going off to the side somewhere and, and praying about something that is happening in our lives or in the lives of others. We have smartphones. People send us texts. Would you please pray for my aunt? Would you please pray for my uncle, my friend? They're going through this situation. That would be a great time just to stop and pray, to think about prayer in our daily lives. Philippians 4, 6 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Prayer is always in the form of some type of petition anyway. But it can also be just a prayer of praise to God. But the Apostle Paul here is talking about times in our lives when we have specific situations that come up that we're to pray about. Whenever I think of prayer, I think of the monks back in the 3rd and 4th century and all the way through to the Middle Ages. Um, the monks, I do not agree with their theology, but one thing I am impressed by is that the monks saw the church looking more and more like the world. That kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, the monks decided that they would break from the church and that they would go and they would find an isolated place so that they could dedicate themselves to God. Now, I know the church is not, we don't separate uh, from the world, but this is where I disagree with the monks. But what I, what I am impressed by with the monks is that they had eight services a day. And during those eight services, which started at five o'clock in the morning, they had the book of prayer, and they would pray prayers eight times through the day until 6 p.m. And it's just a good reminder to us to keep prayer first and foremost on our minds so that when situations and when circumstances come in our lives, and rather than saying, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that later, why not stop right then and just have a prayer. And this is, a, this is what's driving the, uh, the Apostle Paul, um, that he's saying continue steadfastly in prayer. And by the way, this word continue steadfastly is only used 10 times or less in the New Testament. So that tells me that when something is used that sparingly, uh, less often that the Apostle Paul is, is putting a high emphasis on it. The Apostle Paul is in prison in Rome at this time. And so he's writing them, please continue steadfastly in prayer. Then he says, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Gregorio, to keep awake spiritually. That's the word for being watchful. Gregorio, which means being watchful. You know, as I was writing a sermon, the first thing that I thought of was Jesus. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he told Peter, James, and John, wait here 
and pray. And so Jesus was gone for about an hour. And when he returned, he saw them sleeping. And he said, could you not watch and pray for one hour? The reason that we do this, the reason that Paul wants them to continually petition God and to be watchful is because the landscape of our lives is constantly changing. It is constantly changing. There's situations and circumstances that arise, uh, arise in our lives where we're to pray about right then. Not Richard Melnick, in his commentary, writes, the Colossians were to pray with mental alertness. Presumably, this meant purposeful, personal, and powerful. So here's, here's the challenge. If the Apostle Paul were writing this to our church today, I believe he would use the exact same phrases. That were to be constantly steadfast in prayer, watching the circumstances in our situation, being alert to the world around us so that we can respond to that by prayer to God. Now, he closes this little verse here. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it, that is in the circumstances and situations of life. And he adds something here that is very important. With thanksgiving. Think of it this way. God doesn't have to listen to us. He could choose not to. But the word of God and the apostle Paul says we can come boldly before the throne of grace that we may find help in times of trouble. It is that ability is why the church should be thanking him. Lord, thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you, Lord. I know that you're going to be involved here because your ear is turned towards me. Your eyes are watching the righteous. And that we need to thank him. Lord, thank you. I praise you and thank you that you are listening. So I want to encourage us as we're continuing steadfastly in prayer, being watchful and alert to be mindful of the fact that we can thank God for listening to us and we can praise him and, and give him glory and honor and praise and everything that is due to him. So petition God constantly in verse 2. Secondly, Oh, by the way, I want to add this verse in, by the way. Um, this, this comes from uh, 1 Thessalonians 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. That is our, that's, a, that's a good verse. Write that verse down. Uh, rejoice always. The Apostle Paul says it's, you just need to rejoice, even if the circumstances don't look favorable. Because we have a God who can change circumstances. We have a God who is worthy of our praise. We have a God who welcomes our prayers. And we have a God that we should be thanking every day. So don't, don't forget to thank and to praise him and to rejoice. Secondly now, the Apostle Paul says, pray for opportunities to share the gospel. Now, you'll notice that he said being watchful, which means to look at the landscape around you, but now Paul is going to ask for specific prayer. So as the Colossian church, as this letter is spread around, uh, he writes this. At the same time, pray also for us. 
at the same time, pray also for us. There's a, there's a list of people mentioned in chapter 4, uh, fellow workers, uh, ministry servants with the Apostle Paul were with him. So he's not just asking for prayer for himself, but for those friends and members of the body of Christ that are doing work in Rome. Please pray for them. The Apostle Paul prayed for the Colossian church. In Colossians 1.3, we read this. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Another time, he says, and so, this is Colossians 1.9, and so from the first day we heard it, we have not ceased to pray for you. Talking about their faith. So listen to this. Prayer is reciprocal. And by the way, prayer transcends space and time. How many times in your life has somebody prayed for you and you knew it? How many times in your life have you prayed for somebody else and they get back to you? This has happened to me several times recently where somebody will say, thank you, wow, that was, that was fast. That's because we have a God who is involved in prayer when we invite him in, and we'll get into that in just a second. Um, we're talking here about intercessory prayer. At the same time, pray also for us. Prosuke to petition God on our behalf. You know, we have email, we have smartphones, we have tablets, we have iPads, and people will sometimes instant message us with a prayer request. That's your landscape. That's when you get back to this, pray continually, steadfastly. And then you pray at the exact moment. Now, what the Apostle Paul specifically wants prayer for, he's, he's, he's introducing here, I've, I've prayed for you, but I also want you to pray for me. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul wants prayer for. That God, that God may open to us a door for the world, or for the word. A noigo logos, a noigo logos, Open, which refers to make an opportunity available, and word is logos for the gospel. So the Apostle Paul here is praying that God would give us an opportunity to share the word. I happen to believe that when God's people pray, God hears. One of these days when we get back together again, uh, one thing I miss about our Sunday school class is that we would have a, a time of prayer at the end. Um, maybe somebody will say, pray for me. I'm, I'm, I'm witnessing to somebody. The group will come together and they will, and they will pray and, and hopefully remember them each day as they, as they pray. Um, the, other, the other thing that I, I think is important here I put a lot of other people's quotes up on my screen, but I'm going to share with you what God gave me this week in my private study. Um, when we share the gospel, when those opportunities come, and the Apostle Paul, you can see him, a jailer outside the door, you think the Apostle Paul was idle? No, the Apostle Paul was sharing the gospel. When we share the gospel, 
This is central and this is key. And it's often overlooked in this verse. But this is, this is what God gave me this week. And I even put my own name up there because I wrote it down immediately after I, he gave it to me. Invite God to be actively involved rather than trying to open the door ourselves. If we will pray that way, the Apostle Paul says right here, that God may open a door to us. Not that I would open the door, but that God would open a door. So when you're praying that God will open the door, uh, 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 a moment or an opportunity in your life where God is involved in the process. So many times we get so stressed out. How am I going to bring the gospel up? Why don't we flip that a little bit and invite God into the process and say, God, I, I really want to share the gospel with this person. I, I, I pray for an open door, for just an opportunity. And Father, that you would reveal to me that opportunity at the moment that it arises. God is the one orchestrating the event rather than me orchestrating the event. And, and I think if we pray that way, it kind of takes the focus off of us and puts the focus on God, that God may open a door to us for an opportunity to share the gospel. Now he says uh, in verse 3, to declare the mystery of Christ. To declare, the Greek word there is lelo. And you know what that word means? It means to talk about. Christ. That's really what it's about. God gave us voices. We have a voice. And it doesn't mean that we use that voice to belittle people or to poo-poo what they believe, but we have a voice to tell people about the mystery of Christ. The mystery. Eusterio in the Greek. And that means something that was not known but is now known. And do you know who knows the mystery? The believers. And by the way, Mysterio refers to a group of people. That's you. That's me. The day that you trusted in Jesus Christ, the mystery lived in you. What is the mystery? The mystery is that God in his infinite wisdom and mercy sent Jesus Christ from heaven to earth, unlike any other religion in the world, took the form of a human body. And as a child grew in every way that we did and grew and grew and, be, and gained favor with men and God. And then without sinning ever in his life, Jesus willingly went to the cross. He had nine-inch nails through his hands and his feet, and he died on the cross to, to complete the perfect sacrifice. And when he died on the cross and was buried, the payment was made for our sin. And, but the story didn't end there. God raised him from the dead on the third day, and Jesus appeared to his disciples over a 40-day period and then up to heaven he went where he sits at the right hand of the Father, which is the position of power and strength and glory. And from that, because we trust in the finished work of Christ, he puts his righteousness in us. And at that moment, 
that you received Jesus Christ, you understood the mystery. Maybe not in the fullness of it, but at that moment you experienced it. I remember it, the day that I felt lighter, the day that I realized something happened in my life, but I wasn't quite sure what it was, that mystery. And then to take that mystery and just to talk about it, just to tell people, this is what Jesus did in my life. And this is what Jesus will do in your life if you will open your heart. And so the, the, the Apostle Paul here, says to declare, to talk about the mysterio of Christ. Oh, years ago, when I was in Bible college, this is uh, the, Baptist college of Flo- uh, the, the Baptist College of Florida. When I went to school there, it was the Florida Baptist Theological College. And uh, one day in, in chapel, Dr. Kenshin was the, he still is the president uh, of, of the college. He, he got up and he led four or five hundred of us in this song. It is still one of my favorite songs. And I, I remember singing it, looking at Dr. Uh, Kenshin's face, and he was just going at it. It was wonderful. I'm going to sing it for you, and if you know it, join in. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth. Glory to God in the highest, peace and good tidings to earth. Tell me the story of Jesus, write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. I get really emotional when I sing that song. Because we are the voice of the gospel. People need to hear it. They need to know that there's a God that loves them. A God that cares for them. A God that sacrificed his own son on a cross. Who paid for our sin. And rose again. Tell the story. Tell the story when God gives you the opportunity. And the Apostle Paul says, this is, in verse 3, the last sentence. This is the reason that I am in prison. The Apostle Paul, this is where they believe he was imprisoned in Rome. Wow. There may come a day in America where the gospel will be outlawed. But right now, we have a great opportunity with the, with the, the coronavirus. We have a great opportunity to use our voice 
when the opportune moment arises. When somebody says, why do you believe? Share with me your story. Maybe by the way that you live your life, they'll ask the question, why, why are you different? Well, I, I can tell you why I'm different. I trusted in Jesus Christ. That is an opportunity right there. Usually when somebody asks a question about anything spiritual, you can pretty well bet that that is an opportunity to share the gospel. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. I love that. Still have that memory burned in my mind and in my heart. Much like today, I cried when I sang it. That day I looked at a friend next to me and he was crying too because Dr. Kenshin was so adamant. Tell me the story of Jesus. That's what we're about, troop. That's what we're about as believers. To use our voice to tell others about Jesus. To use our voice to tell others where to find living water. So pray for opportunities to share the gospel. Pray for opportunities. Pray for each other. Say, hey, look, I've got somebody I'm witnessing to at work. We'll pray about it. Don't try to open the door yourself. Allow God to do that. It's always better that God may open a door to us to share the mystery of Christ. Number three, pray for clarity in sharing the gospel. You remember I sent a, uh, I posted something on Facebook about having a piece of paper available. You're going to need it in just a second. Piece of paper, blank. It can be uh, just any type of paper. That I may make it clear as I should. Fanaro is the word for clear, and it means to make plain the gospel, or to make the gospel known plainly. I think when we communicate the gospel, it should be clear. Um, people are afraid to share the gospel. Uh, I don't know if you can believe these statistics, but 95% of Southern Baptists have never shared the gospel. I'm not quite sure about that statistic because I'm pretty sure that most people in our church have shared the gospel. Um, but most people are afraid to share the gospel because how will they be viewed by their friends and, and family? Another reason people are afraid to share the gospel is what about tough questions? What about questions you don't know the answer to? This is the easiest thing to do. Somebody asks you a question that you don't know the answer to. Just say, I don't know the answer but I'll check with my pastor, my deacon, I'll check with some friends that, are, that know more than I do, and I'll get back with you. That's okay. Don't let tough questions hinder you from just sharing the gospel, because the gospel is pretty simple. Now, I'm going to have you draw, and I did this in my office. So, Pray for clarity in sharing the gospel. You can share this on a napkin. You can have it just on a piece of paper. Very easy to do. So you start by writing us. That's not U.S. That's us and God. In the beginning, God created man. You can go back to Genesis if you want and explain that uh, in the beginning, we had a relationship with God, but then we all know the story of Adam and Eve. Eve took the apple, she bit, so did Adam. Their eyes were opened. 
And then, unfortunately, separation took place. So you see I put us and then I drew two lines showing a separation. Because sin separated us from God. Then, thirdly, just write out, this is one verse evangelism. It's called one verse evangelism. I didn't invent this. It's, it's been around for quite a while. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ. One verse. That's all you need to memorize. Many of you already know this. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. I know this verse because I, it's been in my repertoire for years. So you write that out. And then the, the next thing that you do is under us, you highlight wages, sin, and death. Pretty easy. Wages, you can connect with. You can tell the person, you know, you go, you go to work, and at the end of two weeks or a week or a month, whatever, whenever you get paid, you earn a wage. Same word. It, it refers to recompense for uh, something that, that you have done, a reimbursement, if you will, of something that you have done. But the wage that they're earning is sin. Sin literally means broken fellowship with God. It means missing the mark. It means missing the mark of God's perfection. That's what separates us. That's what we're working for. We're working for sin. The ultimate outcome of that is death. Not physical death, although that's part of it. The word specifically used here in Romans 6.23 is a spiritual death. You die once and then you die a second time spiritually. And that remains separated from God. Go back and look at the rich man and Lazarus. There was a separation there. And so that person is separated from God because of their sin. If they continue and they don't get to the but part of this verse, they are still separated from God. Now the next thing that you want to do is you want to focus on free gift eternal life. Free gift. Everybody understands that. I don't know if you've received your uh, stimulus check yet. We got ours. It was $2,400. It was a free gift. I didn't do anything to earn it. The government gave it to us. And they could do another one and another one. I'd be perfectly fine with it. <laughs> Get that free stuff. People understand free. That means they don't, you don't, uh, uh, you have a birthday party and it, maybe it's in your honor. People come bearing gifts. And they will give you gifts. So you didn't work for those gifts. They just gave it to you because they love you. And that's exactly the same concept here. God loved us. He gave us the free gift. What's the free gift? Eternal life. And you can compare that with death. You have a spiritual death and you have spiritual life. Show them and just point that out to them. And then lastly, this is how you fill that gap and show them that this is the only way to God. You draw the cross as the bridge that gets you to God. And the bridge is the cross. At the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. That's simple. I'm telling you, we can do this. 
That is a clear presentation of the gospel. And it's an easy presentation. One that I bet you even a 10-year-old child or a 9-year-old child could do with practice. That is a clear presentation of the gospel. It's exactly what Paul prayed for. That I may make it clear. Wouldn't you have liked to have been a jailer guarding the Apostle Paul? You would have heard the gospel at least once. So as we close, I just want to remind us to petition God continually. To pray for opportunities to share the gospel and to pray for clarity in sharing the gospel. You want to do that this week? Send an email out to somebody. Just say, pray that God would give me an opportunity to share the gospel. And pray continually when the landscape constantly changes in your life to just pray. Let's do that this week. And that's the prayer door that God opens.